and welcome back to the Crestwood Red Devils podcast. I'm John Murphy, and today I'm here with the one and only Mr. T.J. Williams, and he is the assistant principal here at Crestwood 7 through 12 campus. Welcome, Mr. Williams. We're glad to have you today. Good morning, Mr. Murphy. Thank you for having me. And, um, of course, this is your second year here at uh, the Crestwood 7 through 12 campus. And um, between your first year and your second year, we've seen a lot of changes that have been implemented. Obviously, last year being your first year, you're just kind of getting your feet wet, so to speak. But now you have your feet firmly planted on the ground. Um, We saw a lot of changes um, as we came back from summer break um, this uh, past year. And so I kind of would like you to just give us a little bit of um, um, background as far as some of the things that you uh, observed last year, your first year here, and of course, some of the changes that you felt were necessary to implement this year um, as we came back from summer. Yeah, well, to your first point, when we look at any new position or job for someone, that first year is figuring out what's going on. So in that first year was me figuring out uh, what's going on around our school district, uh, in our school building, uh, what's working effectively, what's not working effectively. And over the course of the year, took a lot of notes and used that summertime to really evaluate on what I can do going in a year or two to make a big difference in our building. And one of those things was, I noticed last year, we had a lot of students in the hallways. Um, and there's no way to really, in past years, identify what students have been out in the hall or use a hall pass or constantly using a hall pass from one period to another. So one thing that I looked at this summer was using a digital platform, uh, which I came to SmartPass because of the many features that it have. Uh, it's not to have students not use a hall pass, but it is a way for us to track um, what students are out in what location for many reasons when it comes to safety issues. Uh, if we have to lock down our school, we're able to actively see what students are on the active pass right now and to be able to safely identify those students. If we have students who should not be out uh, in the hallway with another student for whatever the various reasons may be, it's a way for us to um, set it so that those students can't create a pass at the same time. So students still have the uh, availability to uh, use passes for the restroom, to the locker, so on and so forth. But it's a way for us to uh, safely track uh, what students are going out, when they're going out, to kind of get that feedback on how many Students are in the halls. Okay, so you obviously identified, you know, uh, hall uh, people in the hallways as a kind of red star issue, um, and uh, implemented the uh, smart pass. Are you finding it effective at this point in time? Yeah. So looking at the numbers, I was shocked. The number of passes that are created is when I look at them, they're they're very high, but compared to last year and the number of students that I actually see in the hallway is very low. So I can't go off any numbers last year because we had no way of tracking how many students were out in the hall and how many hall passes were used. But based on the data that I have now, I'm currently tracking, all right, each day, this is how many passes were used. This is what time hall passes were used. This is where students are going. So the next step is looking at, all right, how can we limit uh, 30% of our hall passes are being used for students to go to the locker? What's the reason why? Uh, 60 to 70% of our hall passes are being used for students to go to the restroom. What's the reason why? How can we limit those? Because again, our end goal is to have students 
in the classroom, you know, and use the hall pass for important things. Um, so when I walk the hallways now during class time, it's it's thin. I mean, we're, we're usually averaging around anywhere from uh, three to the higher end of seven passes that are active at one time when I check the, the dashboard, which is uh, far less than, you know, going out in the hall and I'm seeing groups of students walking around, meeting up with their friends, uh, taking walks, so on and so forth. Yeah, that's one thing that I noticed from last year. Between last year and this year, being a teacher in the building, there are a lot less students in the hall right now, which is which is a great thing, you know. Um, like you said, they need to be in the classroom learning. Um, so so the Smart Pass is the biggest thing that we're seeing as uh, teachers and uh, students. What else did you see last year as a, you know, hot button item that you felt needed to be addressed that, you know, parents and listeners should know, you know, this is what we're doing right now? So last year we had academic enrichment, which was a 30 period that really I feel was fit in uh, so that we could have lunches be by grade levels. Uh, There really was no specific structure to that that was beneficial for students or teachers uh, other than 30 minutes. If you have some work, get some work done. Um, One thing in my position, I really take pride in um, my obligation of removing barriers for students, removing barriers for teachers so that teachers can come to school and teach, students can come to school to learn. So during that time, uh, talking to teachers last year, one thing that they wanted was uh, an opportunity to meet with people in their department from grades 7 through 12 uh, to kind of look at the curriculum, look at lessons, look at what's going on in their classes and their courses and how they can sync all of those together in a more um, smooth transition from 7th through 12th grade. Uh, So that's where we came up with our our TBTs. Um, Also during that time, we wanted to provide uh, students a chance to improve their academics. So during that time, we have intervention sign-outs where students are able to go see their classroom teachers. Last year, we were pulling students out of study hall uh, to a teacher that they may not have had to go over a course that that teacher may not be able to teach. So now, if I'm struggling in math class, I'm able to see my math teachers for 40 minutes to get help on the work that I need help for that class. So that's why our uh, Crestwood advisory period was put into place because it checks off all those boxes. We're giving students an opportunity to meet with their teachers. We're giving teachers a chance to meet with with one another. And for students who may not have a study hall, who grades are great, it gives them an opportunity to kind of get their work done and not have to take work home. All right. Yes. And that's another thing I'm really appreciating that, you know, it's I think it's very effective and I think the students appreciate it, too. Um, I think that. Most students, as you know, they don't really like being idle, you know, because uh, sometimes, uh, you know, just being idle causes they end up sometimes getting in trouble, which is not always a good thing or homework isn't getting done, whatever else. So I think implementing this was also a very good thing. So let me talk about kind of the growing pains between our transition last year. So obviously we had the, the big transition uh, last academic year was we, br- we brought the seventh and eighth graders into the building. And of course that had its own set of problems and how we address some of the issues, you know, between that transition, bringing those students into the building to, you know, if it's running smoother in your mind, uh, obviously this year, what are some of the things that you did to fix that? So the difficulty is school is an experience. 
We want students to come here and experience something. The education, the academics are important, but the experience is what they'll remember. As teachers and we meet students later on down the line, we'll remember those moments and things that happen in the classroom uh, from the academic standpoint. Uh, but students and even past students that I have had and I meet with them, they're always talking about this silly moment. They, they're never really talking about, yeah, that one assignment that we did, I really learned this or I learned that. They talk about experience and moments that really impacted them. So when we look at our building that's now 7th through 12th grade, we're trying to create an environment that is one building. And at the same time, we're still trying to create an environment for grades seven through eight to have the middle school experience for eighth graders to be the leader of a building. We're still trying to have the ninth through 12th grade high school experience for students to, all right, I'm a freshman. This is what it feels like. This is what I go through. This is the experience. And I'm a senior. This is what it feels like. This is what I go through. So the challenge is having two buildings be one, but still have one whole experience that has separate pieces to it. Um, so from the teacher standpoint, that TBT time that we put in place, uh, that's a great opportunity for you all to meet as teachers and staff to discuss what you're seeing in your classrooms and uh, what you all can do or what you all feel would be impactful or useful in our building based on what you see. Um, a lot of time, my perspective is different from your perspective when it comes to what's going on in the classroom, when it comes to uh, a specific student, uh, because you have different experiences with them than I do. Um, but overall, I feel that we're on the right track in regards of our staff, our students being able to gel together as one school and still create those experiences for each of the students. So, uh, I want to apologize for the announcements you're hearing uh, during the podcast. We are having picture day today uh, here at the 712 campus. And so we are uh, announcing students to go to, you know, the gym for their picture. So I apologize for that. But getting back to what you were talking about, you know, it's funny because I always tell my students when I when they always say that, oh, I hate high school, you know, I hate being here. And I go, I don't understand why, because this is where all your friends are. You know, your friends aren't really at home hanging out downtown or whatever. This is where your this is where your friends are. This is the best experience because this is where all you know, you're all together having the experience, as you said. But I like how you use that word experience. So um, so I want to move on to something else, which I'm sure is a big love of yours which is football, right? right? So as you may or may not know, Mr. Williams is a product of Western Pennsylvania football, which is, you know, one of the football powerhouses uh, of the nation where some of the, the best nation. football players have come from, um, as well as Ohio, of course. But uh, you are a Steelers fan. Absolutely. And um, you played uh, football in high school and you were recruited and you played at Kent State. Correct. Kent State University with none other than the legendary Al Vanderink, that's right. Yep. That's yeah. right. So tell me a little bit about your experience at Kent State as a football player and, of course, your uh, your relationship with, with, with Al because you were both receivers. Yeah. So football in general was a big impact on my life from my football coaches early on uh, all the way up to my coaches in, in college. Uh, when I came into college uh, playing football at Kent State, Early on, uh, something that Alan and I both uh, experienced were medical issues that uh, shortened our career. Uh, during that time, and I always tell our students now when they go off to college that it's no different than high school. 
the academics, the courses that you're going to take in college are are very important. But the experience you have, the people you meet, the things that you do, the involvement that you have, that's going to mean a whole lot more because you're going to get a job somewhere. They're going to train you. You're going to have the skills that you need to to do that job. But the people you meet, the people you network with, my experience in college, I know people who are professional athletes. I know people who are doctors, nurses, uh, mechanics, own their own business, engineers. And these were from relationships that that I had. So my experience in college was an awesome experience because I got to get away from my comfort zone, which was Western Pennsylvania, grew up in West Mifflin. And a lot of my time and a lot of my life was spent in that specific area. So to get away and essentially grow on my own was, uh, a big product of why I am the way I am today, because I had to, at one point in time, all I had was me. And I had to hold myself accountable for actions and decisions that I made. And I had to learn from those. I didn't have, I remember my first time going out with friends and it's, it's approaching 12, one o'clock. And I'm like, Hey guys, my, my curfew's coming. I, I got to get home. And then it hit me like, there, there is no curfew. I'm, I'm in college. My mom's not, not here. She's not going to know about this. <laughs> Sorry if you listen to this mom, but, uh, She's not going to know about this. So I had to move on to a point where I'm now an adult and I have to be conscious of my decisions uh, that I made. And uh, to, to answer the second part of your question, um, Alan, I call him AV. Uh, we had a great relationship. I mean, there's uh, there was a we had several classes together. He started off as a PE major as well. And he would pick me up from uh, I stayed in Indian Valley Apartments. He would pick me up. We always, you know, obviously talk and chat um, our time and experience on the football field. Um, he was very fast. I don't say this often, but he was slightly faster than I was. Um, but I definitely had way better hands and was a way better route runner, uh, than he was. But no, Alan was a, he's a tough guy. He's a, I also had the opportunity to coach against him. Um, I coached football at Ravenna, uh, and had to go against Alan when he was the head coach at Talmadge as well as, uh, at Kent, you know, so as great of a football player he that he was, he's currently an awesome uh, leader on the football field as well as a coach. Yeah, I live in Talmadge, and um, and I, you know, some kids that I n- know played for uh, Allen at Talmadge, and um, you know they loved him, and you know we're starting to see him go. Um, but Kent's experiencing, you know, a little little growing pains too, but they're starting to find some uh, some success, and um, Talmadge was the same way as well. So um, so. I want to ask you real quick, as we're running out of time, Julian Edelman, who was your quarterback at Kent State, um, now retired. Do you stay in touch with him at all, or did he just kind of do his own thing? Not really. So when I went in my freshman year, uh, Jules was a senior. Um, So, I mean, there was a a big age gap there. There was obviously several events um, outside of football on campus and off campus where, you know, we were around, talked, and had a relationship. It wasn't uh, you know, a best friend relationship, but, you know, someone that I knew that had no issues, problems with. Uh, so I, no, I don't really keep up with him now. There's there's a few people that I played with and went to school with uh, that I keep up with. Uh, now it's just hard with having a family. And Sure, sure. Did you expect him to be yes. that good a player yes. when he yes. went to the pros? Yes. Um, so my first experience with Julian was uh, – our first camp, when we started out in camp my freshman year, we had one or two days where it was just 
the incoming freshmen, and then we finally got into practice with the entire team. And I remember I ran a post route. In high school, you get to your 8 to 12 yard, get into the cushion, give a head stick. You turn into your post, one, two, three steps. You're in that post, you get your head around, catch a football, score. Well, in this case, in college, when you get to that cushion, you give your head stick, you get your head around right now because that ball is coming right now. And I remember that first pass coming out, still looking in, you know, in the post area and the ball hitting me right in my helmet. Uh, so that, that was my first experience uh, with him, with college football. And again, that adjustment of things, as you go to the next level, they get faster, but we have to be able to adjust to those things, you know, and as time went on, was able to adjust to the speed of the game, um, until it slowed down for me and was able to, you know, pick up and uh, understand the game a lot when it was a lot slower for me. Last but not least, and it pains me to bring up this uh, topic, but let's talk about Kenny Pickett and the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. So Kenny Pickett obviously is now the, uh, the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers as uh, Mitch Trubisky, Northeast Ohio product, right? Menor High School, I believe, is where Trubisky's from. And uh, now Kenny Pickett is the quarterback. So what's your, what's your sense? So when it comes to to Mitch, I don't think he's a bad quarterback. He played too safe. You know, we don't need all the nickel and diamond. There, there's there's times where we had guys open downfield. He got to shoot the shot. When you're playing in the professional football league, you have to play those games to win. When you're playing to not lose and being too safe, not taking those chances, uh, you're going to lose games. And, and that's what happened. Uh, where Kenny Pickett, I don't know. I mean, there's still a lot left to be desired in what he'll be able to do. Uh, he did provide a spark for us, but at some point in time, he's going to have to be able to be the leader of our team and understand that when there is no spark, when things aren't going your way, you are our, our quarterback, your QB1. You have to be the voice. You have to be the – you have to be the spark uh, to keep the team going, I think he'll be able. I think he'll be just fine. But again, I, I look forward. I'm obviously hoping for the best, uh, especially being a Steelers fan. Unfortunately for Kenny, he lacks the great mentorship of Ben Roethlisberger, who you know the guys. Being a Browns fan, I, I still got to say it, and I've been saying this for years, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, no matter what you think of Ben Roethlisberger. So um, not having him there, is he hanging around at all? Do you know if he hangs around practices or is he done? He's hanging out. around practices, I don't know, but I've uh, I've watched several podcasts with Ben talking, and he does keep in contact and does speak with both of those guys. So he's there in some way, shape, or form, uh, which is beneficial for them. He actually told him uh, Ben Roethlisberger's, Second pass uh, as a quarterback for Steelers was an interception where um, Kenny Pickett's first pass was an interception. So he pretty much told him, like, it's okay. Like, you're a quarterback. You're going to throw interceptions. Fight through it. Uh, Don't let that moment stop you from the rest of the game. All right. Fantastic. Well, good advice. And, of course, I want to say before we leave that you are now an assistant coach here at Crestwood, is that are you helping so, out? So I, I did volunteer in the the summertime to help okay. those guys out. Um, I couldn't give the time commitment. Uh, my wife's a head cross country coach. I got a four year old daughter, six month old son, grandparents who watched them all day. So to um, to spend that extra amount of time <sighs> after school on top of the other duties I have to do. Uh, isn't fair to people I, I live with at home. So I, I did uh, work with Jack uh, D'Amato over the summer and his coaching staff, which was a great experience. And I told those kids, you know, 
I'm glad that I was able to help you, but you had no idea how much you helped me because I still have that itch to coach. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a coach. The way I approach this job is the same way that I approach uh, that I approach coaching from an organizational standpoint to the way uh, that I uh, work with the staff to the way that I work with the students is no different than the way I worked with the assistant coaches that were under me and the players that uh, were playing with for me. All right. Fantastic. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much, Mr. Williams. We appreciate you coming in. And that'll do it for uh, this week's podcast. This is the Crestwood Red Devils podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. Go Red Devils.